and welcome to another episode of View from the Tilton Road, podcast airing every week on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and on YouTube. I'm Kieran, your host for this episode. Joining me on this episode, I've got Dan and Jamie joining us for his first episode on the platform. Thanks for joining the platform, Jamie. Uh, I'm going to come Thank to you, you first. A couple of games to talk about and then going to discuss the Karanka issue in more depth. Uh, but firstly, Jamie, just your views on the draw at Wickham. I think there's... Uh... It's a game that we should have won. Um, to go nil-nil and then not use a sub until, was it the 87th minute or 88th minute? And a fourth substitution as well. Yeah, and, you know, it's just... Uh, Colin Chance as well at the end, he should have took that, should have scored that goal. And, yeah, just speechless, really. To see us have nil-nil at the end of the game, it's just a game that we should have won. I was very disappointed. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the... Uh... The main issue from that game everyone took was the, the lack of substitutions and obviously the fact that we should have took three points. We did create enough to take three points with or without the substitutions. Like you say, Colin had a chance. Uh, there was obviously a couple of other chances that we should have put away. But Dan, what were your views on the game? It was a game that we was never really, apart from one Etheridge save. We was never in danger of losing it. It was a case of, will we win? And... I, I said it during when I was watching the game. I think any other team would have scored one of those chances. I know it wasn't full of clear-cut chances, but that that Colin header, that don't... 99 times out of 100, that goes in. I couldn't believe that he... Like, yeah, he should have scored. But even where he put it, most of the time that goes in. And, yeah, I was surprised at the lack of subs and, like... Whether we agree or disagree with that, people say with that we may have won if we made substitutions. We we might have also not won the game. So I think the main issue for me was yes, sub no subs was a problem, but the fact that we didn't take the major chance that we had in the game. Yeah, it's 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 like Jamie said with the Colin header. I mean, you put that on the head of her of. Um, Hogan or, or Djokovic, they stick that in the back of the net, personally. It's, it's the fact that Collant's in a position he never usually is. Um, you know, he's not an out-and-out goal scorer, but we did create chances to win that game, and that was before everyone was demanding substitutions in the 80th minute or, or whatever it might be. So, I don't think the substitutions can be an excuse for not winning that game. You know, the opportunities were there. But, just typical Blues performance, wasn't it, really? Again, you need to go and win. Um, then <laughs> we always find a way to make it difficult for ourselves. Um, which then obviously takes us on to the other game that we've got to discuss from Saturday, which was the 3-2 defeat at Bournemouth. Uh, Jamie, got to come to you first. Again, what were your views on the uh, the game at Bournemouth? I think first half, we did really well. It's just typical blues it's just a game two halves aren't we we never you know we played well one half and then the opposite half we're just terrible but I just think that when Hogan scored a brace as well you would keep him on the pitch and you know he might get a last minute chance that might you know get us back to 3-3 I, I thought taking him up was a bad decision by Karanka but again uh, we just look deflated if you look at the interview after Scott Hogan he looks like it's just completely just out of confidence and I'm sure the rest of the team feel like that. It's just, we just need to get a couple of wins, get that consistency back and hopefully we can get climbing up the table again. 
Yeah, I mean, personally for me, I, I, people have different opinions. I thought we were the better team on Saturday. To go to Bournemouth, who I know they've not been in the greatest of form, but to go to Bournemouth and create the chances that we did and, and score a couple of goals and to be disappointed and still lose the game, I think just goes to show that, that we can do it, but more often than not, we just don't. <laughs> I think that's the uh, the problem is it's two these sort of like James says we're a, we're a team of two halves and these sort of performances are too few and far between where we actually put our foot down and, and take it to teams with nothing almost like a nothing to lose attitude I mean obviously we went and lost the game so that sounds a bit stupid but you know what I mean we go there and actually give it a good go and I think if we perform like that for the rest of the season I think we get ourselves safe, but it's can they keep that up and eliminate some defensive issues, which we will touch on. But what did you think of the Bournemouth game, Dan? Well, I remember, especially the first half an hour or so, I was saying, if you looked at the two teams out of context, you'd have presumed that we was the team higher up in the table than them to begin with. But it just seems at the minute like we're um, like we're a team that can't strike the right balance. Because some games we've been too rigid and don't look like attacking. But that equaliser to make it 1-1, we got caught miles out of position. And to be winning to be winning 1-0 and doing that, I, I didn't understand why we was doing it. Like you had Harley Dean just in no man's land coming out for a ball that he was never going to win. And then I think it was Cullen or fr- or friend um, left on their own. And at one nil up, I mean, you'd still want your attacking players to go and attack, but you don't want your defence that out of place, do you? And I think. And then obviously, well, just before that, I thought Pedersen scored goal of the season. But uh, <laughs> oh yeah, great finish. <laughs> but um, so that well, the thing is, it seems like our problem is at the minute. There's been a few times where we've scored goals and I've thought we can we can play okay football at times, but whenever we do that, it seems like we can only do that by committing a few mistakes in the game as well, which is really frustrating. Mate, it's like you say, you know, at 1-0, look, the way we was caught out for that equalising goal, um, like you say, Harley Dean, I don't know where he was off to, off on his own little jolly adventure. Oh, he's saying never going to win the ball, never going to do anything, wandering out into the middle of our middle of our half. But that's not what you come to expect of the Karanka side that we've seen for this season so far. You know, you say you know at one nil, usually he's more than happy to just sit back then and soak up pressure, whereas we were still actively pushing. It's a dangerous game to play away at Bournemouth. You know, like I say, I, I, I'm, I thought we were the better side overall, but I'm surprised we saw us approach the game that way at 1-0 up. I just... Uh, I mean, obviously, the one thing that I think we're going to talk about the most tonight is Aitor uh, Karanka and his position at the club. Jamie, what are your views? Karanka in, Karanka out. 
does it make a difference either way? I think he's got to stay. I think if he change again a manager, you've got another man's ideas into the team. I mean, I, I remember Steve Cottrell had an interview when he was at, at Blues and he said he had Rabbit's ideas and Zola's ideas on top of his ideas, as well as Redknapp's ideas. But if we keep adding more and more managers, you're just going to get different philosophies and we're just not going to ever progress as a team. We're just going to be in the same situation every season. And um, Sky Sports, they always document it about managers to say that they need free transfer windows to get the players out, get the players in and then build. I mean, Guardiola, he never did a good first season at Man City, nor did Klopp. And now look at them too. They're fighting for the Premier League title now. And I'm not saying we're going to fight for the Premier League title, but we, you know, if we give Karanka two or three windows, we will, could be up there. We could be pushing for playoffs, pushing for automatic promotion. He is a good manager. He just needs time, but we do need to stay up. So something does need to change very quickly. Yeah, I'm with you in the sense of I don't think that it makes a difference personally. I don't think we should get rid of current cards, stand by him, um, even if we went down. For the reason being, the problem is way above Karanka's head. As as 95% of Blues fans know, the problem is with um, Don Green and, and at board level, the club is run entirely the wrong way. They're not footballing people. They don't understand football. They're businessmen. The club is run like a business, albeit a bad one because we're just pissing out money. But they don't have the first idea what's going on or understand what's going on at the training ground, on the pitch. They, they don't know. You know, and, and they're, it's just the club's poisonous in that sense. And until they're gone, it doesn't matter who's in charge. Like you point out Klopp, you point out Guardiola. For me, you could put them in charge for the rest of the season. I still think if we're going to go, if it's our year, it's our year anyway. You can't turn this squad of players and this club around in such a short amount of time because it's rotten to the core while Dongan and Co are still running it on a day-to-day basis. And that, for me, is why I don't think it matters. Even if we did sack Karanka, we bought him in for a reason. We was all happy with his appointment at the time. We all realised he's still a good manager. Not going great at the moment, but he's still a good manager. You look at what he achieved at Middlesbrough, how well he was doing at Forest. He left when they were in seventh place, four points off the playoffs. He hasn't become a bad manager overnight. So we've got... We've got to stand by him. I'm not buying this three-year project, especially if we go down. But I think changing manager every five minutes as well doesn't help. You've got to have a stable management team. The players have got to know that who they've signed up for is going to be the one to lead them. You know, they can't be doing with the uncertainty. That can't help the squad either. So, you know... But, yeah, Dan, your views on the Karanka situation? Um, in the summer, I was I was absolutely buzzing that we appointed him because I think I think that is for the position that the owners have left us in. I couldn't actually believe that we got that we could get someone with a fairly recent promotion on the CV to come to us. And I mean, I'm 
I can I can definitely see why people are panicking and saying he's got to go because yeah he hasn't always helped himself out but I think he's he, he is partly to blame like no one's blindness at the club but we we need to stick by him because as you say he doesn't he doesn't become a bad manager overnight and I know it's frustrating but what, the biggest problem for me isn't who will come in it's the fact that if we change another manager again, these same players that have been there for years and failed, and they've been part of the teams that have finished at best 18th, 17th, they will get another fresh chance. So my hope is that Karanka can do enough this season to keep us up and just keep us away from going down. And then he can get rid of some of these players who have consistently failed at the club. Yeah, because I think that's another great point, isn't it? You look at the likes of... I mean, the, the one we pointed out before coming on air, um, Harley Dean, who divides opinion week after week and game after game. He was there for Redknapp. He was there for Cottrell, uh, Pepletet, Gary Monk, uh, and now Karanka. And what you realistically at the start of this season, you see I performed under Pep Plotet. What we wanted was for Karanka to come in and say, you're not part of my plans going forward. You can find yourself a new club. And instead, what we got was Karanka go, everyone's got a clean slate. Now, maybe the COVID situation and the, and the money situation at the club played a part in that. You know, you can only have X amount of money. You've got to make do with the ones you've got. To a certain extent, you know, you're looking at free signings and and loan signings for the the what the the majority of the squad. Um, but like you say, I think some of these players we just need to clear out now. They've been there for long enough. They've failed for too long. Uh, we've got to accept that it's time to let these players go. But and what are I, your views? I do. Th- I do think. Sorry, I, I do think as well other reasons to why players like that could have been kept in. It could have been a few reasons like, so we had to sign a lot of players just to get a decent sized squad this year. I don't I don't think he, because he didn't walk in necessarily with the luxury of we only need one or two signings and we can just get rid of a few players we don't need. I think we needed to actually just fill fill up the squad, didn't we? And another reason could have been he might, he might have thought it could have been a bit too bold to walk straight in and ship the captain out. Yeah. What are your views on the whole situation surrounding these players, Jamie? Do you think that players like Harley Dean and and Pedersen are past their, past their time with us now? Or I think Dan's got a good point on the whole COVID situation. But, I mean, like we said off air with Harley Dean, he's not the same player that he was next to Michael Morrison. Uh, when George Friend is next to him, he looks a good player. Well, he looks a better defender. Um, I don't think he's got that leadership skill in him. I don't think he can lead a back four properly. Um, but I think that Pedersen, even Colin, I think they're probably hanging on the loose string because they make silly mistakes. That's probably why Karanka's brought in this Valerie of Southampton to you know give Colin a bit of an eye-opener that it's not always his position every week and he needs to start fighting for his place. Um, I think... Like, even Jukovic, I mean, I do love him. I think he's been a great servant to the club, but maybe it's time for him to move on now. That's why he's brought in Cosgrove as a future target man. So, yes, I do think it's probably past their time, but 
may be in a financial situation that they need to probably hold on to these players. Right, it's good, interesting you mentioned, you know, the value of these players or Pedersen, was it rumoured um, last January that Watford and a couple of other clubs were sniffing around him and there was talk of like eight or nine million pounds, wasn't there, at, at that point? And, and now yeah. you look at Bristol City are just offering a, a player swap at the end of January, albeit that Masengo is meant to be quite a hand, handy young player, but I've uh, not seen much of him myself. But just kind of goes to show the form that he's been in over the past 12 months. So he's gone from being linked with Premier League clubs to being linked to a swap deal with Bristol City. I don't think he looks interested at the moment either. I mean, I know he come off against, was it Derby when we lost 4-1 at half-time? I yeah. don't, there's loads of rumours saying that he, he just didn't want to go back onto the pitch and he just gets caught out of position. He concedes a lot of penalties. I just don't think he's the player that he was the first season that Monk brought him in. And yeah, maybe he's past his time. If, if someone come in for him, I would sell him. I think that the whole, it all started from the, the whole links with Watford in that January window. Uh, I think obviously in his head, and even the way he was playing, to be fair, at the time, you could see him being a Premier League player. Um, and since then, it's just been downhill for him. I still don't think he plays in his best position. I think I, in a perfect world, I think he fits in perfectly in the left side of a back left centre-back in a back five or back for I don't think he's a full-back. I don't think he's a wing-back. But obviously, we don't play the formation that allows him to fit slot in there. So, defensively, I think he gets caught out too much positionally. And as a wing-back, he hasn't got the um, attacking qualities to be able to do that position week in, week out. You know, he hasn't got that killer cross on him or, you know, I mean, it sounds stupid. I'm not saying comparing him to these players, but what I look for if I was to play a wing back is can he do for us at our level what the likes of Robertson do at a level for Liverpool? So, you know, Robertson, he's assist after assist. He can pick a pass. He can put a ball in the box. That's what you want from a wing-back. it got the energy to get up and down constantly. He's got pace. Pedersen is rather slow. And I don't think I've ever seen him put a world-class cross into the box, realistically. So he can't really do that, what you'd look for in a wing-back in modern-day football anyway. So we should go around in circles with him and keep sliding him in. <laughs> but... Obviously, a big game at the weekend. Luton at home already looks, or you know, at this at this stage, eighteen games left, a must-win game. You know, do, what do you think, Dan? Do you think what's your hopes, expectations for Saturday? Everyone, um, when you, when you go into, it, obviously, you think it's a must-win game, and for confidence, it is. Obviously, the situation doesn't change majorly if we lose at the minute because there's enough games to pull it back. But we've got to get that win at home because the away form is good enough. Even if we could just have, even if we could just have like a, a couple more wins at home, that could make all the difference because our away form, we pick up enough points. 
So the home games are absolutely massive now because we just need a win there. If we can get one, two wins at home in in like in, in a run, it would be massive for the season, I think. So it is a massive game. I think uh, it sounds quite obvious anyway, but our safety depends on turning the home form round, which obviously every game that goes by looks like a bigger and bigger ask every time. But I did see earlier uh, our mate David Prutton at Sky Sports, who I don't think I've ever seen predict a Blues win. Um, he's gone with 1-1 at the weekend. Uh, Jamie, your thoughts for Saturday? I think looking at the last few games against Luton, they've been tight games. I think they've been two ones and I'm going to go 2-1 again, Birmingham. I think we will just scrape it. I think we've got enough quality to, and they've got to win it. They've got to win it. Otherwise, they're just digging themselves into a bigger hole. You, you look at like Rotherham above us. I think they've got two games in hand against us. We need to climb and get above them and teams like that. So it's a massive must win. Um, I think have we got a fully fit squad for Saturday as well. Who's missing? Everyone but Roberts, I think, because he's still suspended. Uh, so there you go. They've got to win. There's no excuses for it. So. I don't know. Do you play? Do you start Harper maybe as well? Just give him a chance in the team. I don't know. Harper next to Sunjic and Halilovic in the ten. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Karanka said today that he's just waiting to see if he's giving him tomorrow Halilovic to see if he can make make it into the squad. So he probably won't. He probably will miss out on the first eleven. Thinking about it, but. Possibly. I mean, the sooner we can get him fit and, and start in the better. Be- so it just seems he's made of paper, doesn't it, really? Probably why he's at Blues. He's probably be- he'd probably be better than us if he didn't have a terrible run with injuries. Like a modern-day Jamie Redknapp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but can I also say um, that I think this Luton game is massive... For, I think it's massive for Karanka, not in the sense of he'll get sacked if he loses this game because I don't think that will happen. But what I've seen this year and even as recently as Saturday, the players, when we've struggled before under like Akatra and Azola, never really heard them come out unprovoked and say, we're 100% behind this manager. Whereas they keep, I feel like they keep making this point this season. But what they've got to do is instead of saying it, show that they're behind him. Because otherwise, we could be very easily looking in a few weeks' time or whatever. If it goes above Dong's head, it, you know, we could be looking at another manager. So they need to start showing that they're 100% behind Karenka. See, at this point, I don't think it's the system. I think the four-two-three-one is the system that we, we've got to use. Obviously, we've used it for plenty of games now. You've seen it, it does work when we won at Reading, when we won at Bristol Surrey. Um, but I think, and I've seen someone tweet um, after the Bournemouth game, is when we do let ourselves go in and, and put our foot on the gas and decide to attack, we're too leaky defensively. But then Karanka's other option is, right, OK, shut up shop. 
but then we get complaints that we don't attack enough and we don't score enough. And, and, and like you said, Dan, I don't think he's quite found that balance yet to be able to to kind of get the right flow throughout the, the whole 90 minutes. Um, hopefully that comes sooner rather than later because it's looking ominous at the minute. But I don't know. I don't know. I think Raheem Harper could be a huge, huge plus in there. And I think he can really help us find that that balance. It's just getting him integrated into the starting eleven, isn't it, I suppose? But I mean, Jamie, obviously it's your first time on the um on the platform anyway. What was your uh, what was your thoughts of the the January window and the uh, the final incomings and outcomings really? Well, I've probably got, you know, our money's worth out of him. He was brilliant under, like, Rowett and Koch when he first came in. He wasn't too bad, but he was dead woods. He needed to move on. He was never going to get into the team. Crank is obviously putting in his own ideas and he signed, you know, San Jose, Adam Clayton, Harper now as a centre midfielder. He was never going to get a look in against them. So he was, you know, I think he did the right decision to get, you know, release him. Uh, Clifton Baldos a bit gutted about. I think technically he could still probably do a job in the team. I know he's not a player that's going to create your goals or, you know, change a game on his own, but I think he was still a good servant. I think he's better than Clayton as well. I think how Clayton gets a game over Clifton Bald at the time just baffled me. But the two players, well, we've got in Cosgrove, I think that's one moving forward. So I think I predict Djukovic will probably go in the summer. That's replacing him as a target man. And then Harper as well, I think he's a great, you know, he looks like a, he's got real potential. And I've seen what he can do on the ball. He's a bit of a box-to-box midfielder. He likes to tackle as well. He's something that we need, really. I think that's what we need in the middle of the park. And then if you look at Valerie as well, he's another one that's going to provide competition to Colin. I haven't seen much of him, to be honest, but I have heard he's a good player. So I think we didn't do too bad, but I think we needed an out-and-out goal scorer. It's a shame that we didn't get the lad from um, Hibernian. Yeah, I think um, Harper, as we've just said, I think he brings that something different to the side that we seem to have. He brings the legs in the middle, doesn't he, really? Because, you know, Kifton Bowden and Sunich, they put themselves around, but they don't really do it to any real purpose. Um, and, and they certainly don't bring anything going forward, really. Um, whereas Harper is, you know, he can get his head up and pick up a, pick a pass and, and get himself in the box as well, which we always seem to lack that late arrival from the midfield onto the edge of the box. So hopefully, like I say, going forward for the rest of the season, he can make the difference. But I mean, a couple of big games coming up other than Luton as well. I think we've got Sheffield Wednesday coming up as well, halfway away from home. Yeah, well, we've next three is Luton, Millwall and Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, they're massive games. What's your what's your prediction points taken from those three games? Four points, I'm gonna say. I would uh, I I would like more selfishly. Well, obviously you want nine, don't you? But uh, realistically, I'd hope for six, but. Four or five is probably 
where we're at at the minute. We, um, it all depends on this game, to be honest, this Saturday. If we win this one, I think we might get five. But it's, they are three massive games because I've seen the I've seen the game that comes straight afterwards, and it's it's Norwich at home. So we need to get points now because although we do better against the teams up there, we can't always rely on that. Any other downfall to that is that the Norwich games at home, <laughs> which. I mean, I'd be happy with five points from the next three games, personally. Don't lose. Get a win against Luton at home. Don't lose to the teams around us in Sheffield Wednesday. Cannot afford to lose to teams in and around us anymore. I mean, obviously, I think obviously later on in the season, we've still got Rotherham to come as well and Derby again. Um We've still got Forest to play at St Andrews as well. So these teams that are down there, we've got to pick up the points against them. It's no good saying we're good against these teams near the top half because we're not back, we're not in a fight against them. We've got to beat the teams in and around us. Which is uh <laughs> one of the worrying things. Well, those wins against the top teams only mean only mean something if we can back them up with the team by beating the teams around us. Because we go and beat Bristol City, Reading, then we lose to then we lose to the other teams that we do like we lost at home to Wickham in um in a run at the start of the season when we won two good games before that as well. So and then it knocks the confidence out of you again. You'd rather lose the games against the top teams, wouldn't you? So you can accept them. Lose the games lose you're expected to lose. Win the games you're expected to win, and you finish in and around where we should be, which should be you'd have thought this season. Mid-table, lower, bottom half. But we're picking up, not picking up the points in the games we should be. And every now and then we strike it lucky against the teams that you'd expect nothing from. But even there, a struggle at times. I mean, you look at our last when you were beat Middlesbrough away, but they'd just come off the back of a two-week COVID break. So how much into that you can actually read, I don't know. Well, the problem, as you say, against not beating the teams around us is the fact that if you lose to Bournemouth, as as we did, them getting three points doesn't matter to us. Whereas if we keep losing to the teams like, or not getting enough points against the teams around us, they're just gonna they're just gonna pull further away. So we really need to address address these games we need to take control and we need to we just need to get wins by hook or by crook against them yeah I mean see what Saturday brings I think your good indicator will be from the lineup that he puts out straight away I think if you see um, you know your likes of Harper in the middle you kind of know that he's going there with the or starting it with the intention of getting the ball forward as much as we can and trying to put Luton on the back foot, really. That's what we've got to do. We've got to put the pressure on them and their back line because they're not in the greatest of form themselves. So if we put a bit of pressure on them and force them to make a few mistakes uh, rather than us for a change, you could be looking at a positive result. I mean, one thing we've we've barely touched on, um, again, is the <laughs> defensive errors 
in the Bournemouth game. Um, one in particular that stands out is the fact that we let Jack Wilshere score an unmarked header from in the middle of our 18-yard box when we had, what, five men around him, I think, in and around. Schoolboy stuff, really. I don't know. What's one of the things you could drop Harley Dean if you wanted and put George Friend in there, make George Friend captain? Could that make a difference? Definitely. I think um, Clark Salter as well. I think he's not a bad defender. I'd love to see him and George Friend give it a go, although they're both left-footed. I think they could do a job at the back. I think I'd like to see Valerie start at right-back as well. Who's at left-back after that is up for debate. Could be Pedersen or Collan, really. Put Friend in the middle, like you say, alongside... Clark so I don't think it particularly matters that they're both left footed to be honest. So, you know, they're your best two choices, aren't they? Yeah. That's the thing. We have defenders. We most teams in Europe will probably have back fours with two centre halves that are right footed. But you never but <laughs> because they're left footed and it's like it's rare to have two left foot footed centre backs, you feel like it wouldn't work, but it happens all the time with right footed with right footers, doesn't it? I mean, the professional footballers, anyway, they can use both feet, can't they, realistically? It doesn't matter if you've got to make a clearance for your right foot. You know, they're not non-leaguers. They're not just going to shank it behind them. Although, it's, it, our defenders, anything can happen, I suppose, at the minute. But, I mean, it'll just be interesting to see come Saturday. I mean, we'll be recording again, anyway, next week, hopefully, with a win to report on for first time in a long time. Um. Thank you both for joining me on this episode. We'll wrap it up there before anyone gets too negative. Uh, the website's launched now, uh, bcfcmedia.co.uk. Um, articles going up there, match previews, match reviews. I'm going to do a weekly roundup where we put all your tweets, um, opinions, uh, messages you send in to us into one article. Just kind of give a brief overview of, of the week gone by. Um, so stay tuned to that. Like and subscribe on the YouTube channel and follow us on the social medias at BCFC, BCFC Media. Until then, speak to you soon.